Logical Progression, Year 3, Chapter 11, Lesson 3. Alright, so, uh, where are we now? Okay, yeah, so just to explain this issue then. So according to the Hanbalis, neither sun, wind, rubbing, or massaging, or whatever, is not going to change anything which is impure, if you don't use water, okay? Wiping or anything, water has to be used. Not even istihala, not even a chemical transformation. But they did say, but in brackets, actually there is one thing which becomes pure, and that's alcohol, which they think is najis, but it's not. When it turns into vinegar. And vinegar itself is a pure substance, okay? It's a pure substance. It's something which the Prophet ﷺ praised. He said that it is uh, the best of condiments, yani the best of uh, things that you take with a meal. Best of dipping sauces, if you like, all right? Something which adds that little bit of extra taste, all right? Um, uh, um, and uh, uh, the Prophet ﷺ used to like it. The Muslims used to eat it and so on and so forth. So it's pure. It's pure, okay? So that's fine. However, the next sentence says, if vinegar is made... Then it cannot be purified. Also, liquid fat. We'll talk about liquid fat in a second. What does that mean? If vinegar is made, yes. It means someone deliberately uses alcohol. Someone. Okay, a Muslim. Yeah. For example, deliberately uses alcohol with the intention of changing it to yeah. vinegar. Yeah. Then you're actually making the change. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Carry on though. What happens if a Muslim was to do that? So I always said, if a Muslim intentionally buys alcohol or has alcohol whatever and he sets it up you know in the way that it is you know because it does require some setup you know if you look on your back of you get this <coughs> question all the time right is this haram it says red wine vinegar yeah <laughs> is it haram it says white wine vinegar spirit vinegar and all kinds of crazy kind of alcohol. it's a scary kind of phrases to be honest you know what i mean if you're a pack and you see like a red wine bloody vinegar you think of bloody hell yeah that's hardcore right doesn't say I mean, spirit vinegar, you can say, oh, whatever that means. But red wine, right? So it's clearly set up from different wines, from different types of alcohol, gives different flavor of <coughs> vinegar, okay? So we're now talking about Muslim. He handles it, handles it all, whatever, does all the whatever is necessary, oxidizes it, turns into vinegar, okay? The Hanbalis are saying, if that happens, it's not going to become pure. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Where did the impurity or purity come into this discussion? No, I'm saying that yani, yani, uh, uh, we've already said that vinegar is pure. Yes? It's the process of many Okay. But, but, but what I'm saying is that the final thing is pure. So why is it impure? Did we, did we say oh, that vinegar is pure? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. The very next statement says if vinegar is made, then it becomes impure. And by the way, that means by a Muslim. Intention. What about the invention? The intention. The intention. What about the intention? Does um, the intention make it not? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because it's a statement at the back of the label, which is. Uh, no, 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 no. Would it be that it isn't impure, rather it's pure, but the act, the process is haram upon the person? Correct. Correct. That's what the scholar said. That's what. The, the scholars said, they said, this is one of, this is a quite unique situation actually in fact, okay. They said that the prohibition of the act had an actual detrimental effect on the final product, making it not only impermissible to buy and use and to drink, but also impure as well. Okay, they said that the, the yani, I, 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 to be honest, I can't think of another example in fact. There must be, but it's not, it's not easy for me to think of another example of fiqh where the haram action affected the final product so much. Does that make sense? Okay. Say, yeah. On, on yeah. a side point, yeah. the trans- if you hold alcohol to be impure yep. and it moving to vinegar, isn't that an evidence that istahala is an acceptable concept? No, no, they accept it. They, uh, the Hanbalis, uh, every scholar accepts, accepts it's, no, accepts the concept of is the hala of alcohol to vinegar. vinegar. But listen carefully, it's a really good question, this, okay? Because that's exactly the, the, what he's making. The point is that it's a contradiction. They don't believe in istihala, but they accept it for alcohol. But in actual fact, they don't accept it for alcohol because they're never ever going to let you do it. They're never going to ever allow you to do it. And so now I just need to give you a little bit of context. 
The Prophet ﷺ did say that vinegar is great and he loved it and he used it all the time, but that was because he bought it from the Jews and Christians. Alright? So it is permissible, because it is permissible for Jews and Christians in their religion to make it. Okay, I always found this one of the kind of the 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 uh, kind of quirky, contradictory kind of concepts of Islam that we just accept with <coughs> close our eyes and ears. Because if you think about it, it doesn't make sense. How could the Prophet ﷺ like something which we're not allowed to make? Yeah? And I, I, I didn't think about it enough because it hurt my head. And so I, I kind of, you know, I was trying to think of other examples. But, and I think there are there some out there. Just need a bit of thinking time. Yeah? Um, but it is one of those strange ones. All right? So it's not allowed for a Muslim to make it. And the Muslim, when he does it, he's done a haram act. And you know what? You know what? It isn't actually impure. The, 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 the alcohol is not, the, the vinegar is not actually impure. But the phrase has been placed upon it to basically keep the people away. Okay. Like a sin associated with it. And that's how the fuqaha, they looked at it. But we know that actually vinegar is something... Yeah, and what I want to say is that just imagine that you came into a, a warehouse and you needed to wash something off your skin and uh, you saw, you know, Ahmed Brothers yani, at the top and uh, it was, you know, they had like a manufacturing unit and they were making vinegar. You could use it to wash your hands, yani, but you wouldn't have to, you know, wash your hands afterwards because it's najis. But I want you to understand that it is given the ruling of impure to keep people away because it's unthinkable that a Muslim would get alcohol and then use it to make vinegar. Vinegar can only be used and bought uh, when it is being sold by, um, when it's made by, not sold by, when it's made by non-Muslims. Muslims can sell it though, okay? Because in of itself, the vinegar is halal, okay? One of those little contradictory statements. Oh, oh not contradictory. I don't know. What's the word? I don't know what the word is. Okay. Um, all liquid fat becoming impure. Liquid fat, okay, fat is two types, obviously. Duhun, simen, yani, meaning uh, physical fat, like uh, butter or ghee or, you know, really thick fat. Or you got oil, right? And so the idea is, is that uh, if it's physical, uh, not physical, solid. <laughs> yeah, solid, yeah. If it's solid, then it's simple. If something dirty falls in, you just pull it out, yeah? And you cut out the rest of the part around it. Agreed? And if it is liquid, then you can't do that because the idea is that it is, you know, they're dispersing in it and so on and so forth. And that's why the scholars, they, they differed between the two. They, you know, they gave a separate ruling to each one. And um, Sheikh Uthameen says, no, actually, there's no evidence for that. It is uh, the, the liquid is the same as the solid. If you are able to isolate the najasa and get rid of it, that's the only thing we care about. But if you are unable to isolate the najasa from liquid fat, and in fact you add anything, then of course it becomes impure. When you are unable to get the najasa out, then it's not. So the Hanbalis, their position at that time is very specific to their understanding that they couldn't get the najasa out of the liquid fat. Does that make sense everybody? Yeah, okay. We're moving a little bit. Um, and there is there's actually an evidence for this, by the way. The Prophet ﷺ was asked about a small mouse which fell into some fat, a vat of fat. And he said, And he goes, throw the, 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 This hadith is narrated by Bukhari. Throw away the mouse and what is around it. Yani, throw that away as well and eat your fat. Yani, eat it, yani, use it. Okay, So it's solid and take it. Throw it away and what's around it, yeah, and its immediate surroundings, what came in contact with it, and eat the rest of it. So it's very, very clear why the scholars allowed the physical fat, uh, 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 solid fat. And the reason they didn't allow the matter is because there's actually a hadith. The Prophet ﷺ apparently is said, um, if it is solid, then throw it away and what is surrounding it. But if it is ma'ir, ma'ir means liquid form, then don't come close to it. That's the hadith that the Hanbalis use. But this hadith, which was narrated by Imam Ahmed himself, um, it's considered to be weak, okay? As Sheikh, uh, Sheikh uh, uh, as Ibn Taymiyyah said, this hadith is weak. And as I said, as, as long as you are able to get rid of the, the thing, then that's the, main, that's, the main, that's the main issue. As long as you are able to get rid of the najasa, that's the main thing. Okay? Alright, the next section is, if the location of the impurity is not clear, then the whole area is washed until one is short of its removal. So, you've got some, you know that some dirt has fallen on you, but you're not sure. So, it's on your hand, okay? Now, let's take a thought. 
It's on a thobe, and you remember seeing it, okay? And it was on this side, and now actually you can't work out yani, where it is. Alright? You can't remember at all. And so, <laughs> according to the Hanbalis, actually according to the majority of fuqaha, actually in all of the classical kind of schools of fiqh, the whole thing needs to be washed. The whole thing. Because you don't know. And it's got to be, it's best to be sure in these matters. Um, Sheikh Uthameen, he says, actually, um, first of all, we need to differentiate between uh, 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 two different types of area. You might have a huge area and you might have a small area. Okay? And so if an area is huge, okay, and he doesn't mention, he doesn't mention what huge is, it doesn't matter how big huge is. The point is huge in relation to how big you remember the Najas and what used to be. All right, then you just make a, a, a guess, all right, and you go for that general area. Whereas if the area is small, then you can wash all of it. This is what actually the Hanbali said in detail to this point. Does that make sense? Yeah, they said that if the area is smallish, then you would wash it. Um, but if the area is big, then you would make what we would call um, uh, a tahari. Tahari means an educated guess, okay, an educated guess. So for example, that if um, you had a thobe and Najasa fell onto one of the sleeves of the thobe and you don't know which one of the two thobes, what the two sleeves has got the Najasa, you wash both sleeves. You wash both sleeves because that way you are, uh, that's the only way you're going to know that you definitely got rid of the Najasa. Um, Yani, basically what Sheikh Uthameen is saying is that the author is suggesting that to make an educated guess here is not something which is permissible. Okay? You have to do both. Whereas what Sheikh Uthameen then says, وَالصَّحِيحْ أَنَّهُ يَجُوزَ تَحَرِّي The Prophet said, uh, Sheikh Uthameen said, that actually the correct position is that it is possible to make an educated guess. If you miss it, you miss it. It doesn't matter. You make an educated guess and you wash. And the evidence for that is what the Prophet ﷺ said about the prayer. If you doubt about what rak'ah you're in, he goes, يعني, Let him make an educated guess to where he is and then let him complete the prayer. Meaning that when he makes an educated guess, it's possible that he gets it wrong. And he ends up praying less than what he should have, yes? But the Prophet ﷺ said it's okay because he made an educated guess. Yes, and so therefore, as long as it is possible to make an educated guess, then you should. But if it's not possible at all, then you should wash that entire area. Okay, then you should wash that entire area. Um, the next, uh, the next section um, is the urine of a boy who has not yet started food is purified by simply wetting it. So two things to note immediately. We are talking, are talking all about urine, and so feces is the same for boy and girl, okay? So a nappy is the same for boy and a girl, right? Um, and number two, it's only a boy, and we're not talking about a girl here, all right? So very, very super specific, the urine of a boy. And the condition is that he's one who hasn't started eating food yet. So we're talking breastfed, basically, first six months, first two years, depend. not two years, obviously, first six months, no, that's not even right either. Yeah, I mean, five, six months. Five, six months, yeah? Okay, so this is what we're talking about. Little baby uh, who's just being breastfed. Um, and what do you, and how do, and if the boy, the boy urinates on you, your clothes, whatever, what do you do? The Arabic is nadah. Nadah. Now, nadah is an important word that you need to write in Arabic and understand because it has multiple meanings, Okay. The only thing that you really need to know about nadah is that it's not ghusl, or not ghasl, sorry, I should say. Okay? Now, those who have studied this now for the last three years know that ghasl is a very specific uh, 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 process. We've covered a lot of different things. We've covered masah. Masah means to wipe, yes? And wipe means that the area is not immersed in water. It means a wet hand just goes over an area, and the whole place doesn't get wet. And a ghasl, the definition of ghasl, washing, means that water has to flow on that surface. Yeah? Now, nadah, nadah is a third category. It's not wiping and it's not ghasl. It's simply to be understood as wetting the area or sprinkling on the area or moistening <coughs> the area. Moistening the area. Okay? So we're not talking a major wash 
We're not talking lots of flowing water. We're not talking full immersion and rubbing. We're just talking a wetting of the area or sprinkling, almost a dilute the effect, slight dilution. Is that clear, everybody? And the evidence for that is the Prophet Sallallahu uh, uh, doesn't need any rubbing, doesn't need any squeezing, doesn't need anything. Hadith uh, Aisha and Umm Qais bin Mahshan al Asadiya and the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam Okay, that uh, a baby was brought to the Prophet and he picked it up and he urinated upon his clothes and the Prophet asked for some water. And he just put a little bit of water on the area. وَلَمْ يَغْسِلْهُ He did not wash it. فَأَتْبَعَهُ بِالْمَاءِ يعني He followed it with water. He followed it with water. It's a very kind of strange phrase. And um, it basically means that he added a bit of water to it. Because the second statement makes it clear. He did not wash it. So what does that mean? It just means he wetted it. صح? Okay. Um, next question might be, so what's the, what's the hikmah in يعني, boy uh, urine? Being okay and girl urine not being okay. Uh, Sheikh Uthameen says the hikmah is the sunnah and that's the end of it. Okay? And that's he said Aisha radiallahu anha was asked this exact question. Um, he said, and Lama su'ilat Aisha radiallahu anha, why, why is uh, 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 the, why does she, uh, why uh, Aisha was asked, why do we have to make up the fasting but we don't make up the prayer? Yes? So Aisha radiallahu anha said, this used to happen to us at the time of the Prophet sallallahu and we were told to make up the fasting and told not to make up the prayer. Yani, that's, that's, that's the answer. Yani, which is uh, teaching the people a lesson. That you know what? The reasons for everything in principle as a Muslim is that Allah and His Messenger have said so. And as long as it's authentic and it's a nos, that's the only reason you need. However, as you know, that doesn't mean that we can't have a little think about it and add some hikam. So can we add any hikam? I don't know. I, I heard some. Sheikh Rafi means got a few here. Sound a bit dodgy to me, to be honest. Okay, <coughs> right. The first one he says, he says that. Okay, and he goes. We can, we can, we can maybe think of a few. He goes. As for the boy, I'll throw it out there. They're carried more than girls. I don't know about that, bro. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm telling you now. I've got five kids. Alhamdulillah. Girls get carried at least 10 to 1 more than the boys. <laughs> at least 10 to 1. Shadda? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I, I have no idea what you said for the past three hours. Oh my gosh, Azman. <laughs> are are you so stressed out, yeah? Honestly, man. Honestly, man. One word. Unbelievable. You see, I want you to know the sacrifice this boy makes, Yanni, okay? Because he's such a mushtahid student, mashallah, okay? Normally, if he wasn't through the stress, yeah, he'd be so writing notes and memorizing and this and that, okay? So you've stopped him from a major, major fard, Yanni, okay? As you've seen, three hours, the guy's done nothing. And we didn't even get tea in the second break. <laughs> this is the problem with sisters. Unbelievably ungrateful. Unbelievably ungrateful. Wallah, I'm telling you. Alright. So, um, uh, so he, he said that. He said that. Okay. Um, I, 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 <laughs> this statement is so sexist. I'm telling you. Alayhi rahmatullah. Alayhi rahmatullah. I mean, I don't want to say that he's sexist. I think the statement itself he said without thinking about it. Okay? He goes, لِأَنَّ <laughs> الْعَادَ He goes, the culture, the custom, the norm. أَنَّ ذَكَرْ يُحْمَلُ كَثِيرًا وَيُفْرَحْ بِهِ وَيُحَبُّ أَكْثُرُ مِنَ الْأُنْثَى He said that يعني, the norm really is that the boys are carried more, that, they are, that one is more happier with them, and that one loves them more than the girls. He said, the ada. Okay. <coughs> All right. I'm not too sure about that. Okay. I think he has a point though, of course. I think that he does have a point in that they are carried more because the girls normally stay inside. And the men are carrying, it out, carrying them outside a lot. So I think that there, I think, is a point. Like if they're at home, they're not carried either. They run around at home. So... But if they're outside, they can't be running around outside. They have to be carried. Does that make sense? When they're at home, they're left. But if you're walking outside, going somewhere, you can't leave them. They didn't have prams. You know what I'm saying? Yeah? That you could just leave them in a pram and they'd have to be carried when you're walking. So that actually makes more sense to me. And as opposed to yufrah, meaning that, you know, men, 
right? It's a sign of their pride. You know, I've got someone to continue and they go and show off. And this is something which really irritates me. I mean, big time. I mean, you know that I wrote the policy for this masjid here and I will release it one day, inshallah. I don't think the children should be in a masjid at all, okay? And all these people, all these voices coming out in recent times, yeah, I need the kids should be in a mosque. Whatever. Whoa! I'm going to slap everyone down so hard. They know what's happened. It's going to be like super hot fire. It so irritates me, Yanni. I'm, I can't, Yanni, it irritates me so bad. Okay? Uncles will love you. Uncles, uh, bro, I'm an uncle now. <laughs> <laughs> I realized Gassim a couple of years ago, me and Shaz sitting there had a discussion. I said, Shaz, Gassim, we're turning to uncles. He goes, we have. <laughs> me and Shaz are now uncles. Uncle D. It happens, you know that. It, it, and it happens, and you don't realize it. Suddenly you're there. And then you look around and you realize that everyone else is irritating. <laughs> And just you yourself, you're not. <laughs> and then you think, oh my God, I'm an uncle. <laughs> I'm an uncle. <laughs> I did it to an uncle. So, um, <coughs> and, uh, uh, genuinely speaking, the evidences for the children being in a masjid under the age of seven are incredibly weak, okay? And uh, meaning all the time. Obviously, we have oh, two very strong evidences that it happened. But for it to be a norm, it's the exact opposite. The norm is that they're not there. And you'll see that this is a position of Taymiyyah and there's, there's a long, lot of stuff to be said and written, I will write it. And, and you know, I could really let off on this issue because you'll see a lot of people, they make a big thing about bringing their kids to the masjid, okay? As if they are the ones that continue to bring their kids yani, later on as well. I will say to you without any exaggeration that 90% of those people who make a big deal of bringing their kids to the masjid, you don't see them bring their kids when they're 8 or 9 or 10 or 11 or 13 or 14, which is the time we want them to bring their kids so that they, when they come into maturity, they are people of the masjid. But what they are more interested in is to bring them when they're 1 and they're 2 and they're 3. And I ask the question, why is it? Oh, they need to see Islam. You know why they need to see bloody Islam? Because you don't give them any Islam at home. That's why this is your attempt, Yanni, to try and make yourself feel better and create an Islamic environment because you don't have a bloody Islamic environment. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. They think that the Islamic environment, these kids listen by lifting their hands and pretend to make dua and whatever, whatnot. It's because this is the only place they can. And what do they do all that time when they're three and four and five? They scream and laugh and joke and run around and crap and this and that, whatever. And they gave nothing but stress and hassle to everyone else. And what did they learn? What did they learn? Now, I might take an argument. Someone brings a six, seven-year-old who's well-behaved or five-year-old, and I see that kid bought every single day for the rest of the nine and the ten, eleven, twelve. I'll say, well done, bro. Yep. And he keeps him with him, and he looks after him, and uh, uh, disciplines him, and you know, the whole thing. But you see that actually the majority of these people who bring these small kids is, is to do with another reason. It's either because the wife's going crazy at home, yeah, saying get rid of the kid, or he wants to show off Yani the fact that, and, it, and that's natural. Uh, I put my hand up. I remember when I did it with my youngest one. Poor. That was exactly my intention. So happy, so proud. And what happened that day? I made Toba and never ever Yani do, do it again. <laughs> I learned the hard way. But that's another story for another time. But Yani, do you understand you know what I'm trying to say? So um, I, uh, uh, I definitely sympathize with the, with the concept that men do feel proud by their boys. It's a whole concept of, you know, girls dress up there. Daughters into little things, you know, the princess that I never was, you know, that kind of bakwas. You know, the whole. <laughs> yeah, it's true, though, isn't it? Men show their boys to show this is my successor, my khalifa, fil ard, yeah? <laughs> girls, girls show their little girls, bring on your princess, oh, do the hair, this, that, whatever. I wish I could be like young again, look like that, whatever. <laughs> for me, I, you know what? I used to have a phrase for it, but now I've got a new phrase. I call it the Nadia syndrome. Okay? Yeah. Nadia from the Great British Bake Off. You know what? We didn't have any desserts, okay, in Bangladesh or whatever, okay, right? So, this is me now expressing myself through desserts. And my girl went and smacked it out of the park because she won the bloody thing. Amazing, okay. So I on, actually I genuinely believe that there is this kind of compensatory kind of uh, thing inside us that we want to try and, you know, make up for our uh, use. Anyway, Allahu A'lam. Allah knows best, yani, you know, about that part. One thing that he does say, which is interesting, which I like, he goes, and also um, that they walked around with more, they carried more, blah, blah, blah. And as for their urine, then it comes yani, out in a very restricted way. And I never thought of this, you know. Okay. So, you know how the urine comes out, okay? It comes out obviously 
you know, tip of the thingy magic, yeah? There's a name for that. Urethra or... Yeah, what's that? It's called a Japsai, isn't it? Huh? What? <laughs> that's what it's called, anyway. That's what it's called in, in thingy. It's a racist phrase, that, by the way. Just want you to know, but that's what it's called. I mean, amongst people. <laughs> the thingy. What's it called in uh, scientific? Urethral orifice. The urethral orifice, okay? Sheikh Hutebin says that this taqab, this orifice, this thing, is very, very small. And so when it comes out, it comes out everywhere. Sprays, exactly. Sprays. And it goes in tashara yani fukul makan. Whereas the woman's orifice is bigger, yani wider. And so there is enough space for the pressure behind it for it to maintain a uniform kind of gathering, if that makes sense. That makes sense, yeah? So, and I'm not talking about impact, I'm talking about point of release. At point of release, the idea is that it's not as, as, it's not as uniform as what would be the woman's one. I don't know, I, you, know that, that, you know, Allah. And he goes that, and considering that you're carrying this kid so much, and this yani, spraying all over the place is going to be covering larger areas, okay, and the nature of the, you know, the organ, and it could be going here and there, it's going to affect more clothes and more wider area. Yani, basically what he's saying is that the mashakka is greater, the difficulty is greater, that's what he's saying, okay. Um, as for the issue of the food, then um, apparently, apparently when... A boy, I, I don't know if there's anything he's off. I don't know if you heard about this, whatever. But apparently, a boy and it's the, his digestive system when it comes to eating food, and that of the uh, female, they have some different digestive process, not process, uh, a, 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 a greater preponderance for uh, digesting. And so maybe the urine is more concentrated in the female than that of the male. So I don't know about that, okay? He's suggesting that. Remember, he's not saying these are facts. He goes, let's look into that. Maybe these are areas. And maybe they are areas. And that's fine. Okay? Uh, very good. Okay, that's good. All right, next point then. Next point is... A small amount of impure blood that comes from a pure animal will be overlooked as long as it is not found in any liquid or food item. Okay? So, so them. Okay? Blood, blood, uh, which comes out and from a pure animal, then it's going to be forgiven, a small amount. First of all, a couple of things being said there. It's got to be a pure animal, so obviously no dog or no pig, right? So it's some, something like a, I don't know, a cow or uh, a sheep or something like that. And impure blood. What they're basically saying, the humbly madhab, is that any blood which comes out is, is impure. Okay, blood is, first of all, the assumption is there that blood is impure and that if it comes out of the body, it's definitely impure. All right, that's the second assumption being made. The next point which is being made is that it will be forgiven. The idea is, is that because we're spending our time with animals so much and it might get cut here and there, it's quite likely that a small bit of blood, the blood is going to, uh, you know, touch itself to your clothes somewhere or on your hands. Tiny amount, yeah? Did you not give the guys notes, Chaz? Sorry? Did you not print the notes? I just realized everyone's writing and I thought, I thought we were in the print notes. Yeah, was it about that? No, that was meant to be done here in the office. Mm. We forgot that, you know that. That's not, not something we should have done, by the way. Yeah? But. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, at lunchtime, we'll, we'll get that sorted. It's only two pages of uh, thingy, uh, whatever. I mean, it, it, it doesn't really matter anyway. I mean, it, you can't write notes on that piece of paper anyway, but it's something to look at, at least physically. And if you've got your laptops or things, it's online. It was online last night. Um, <coughs> the blood comes from an animal, might come on clothes, whatever, whatnot. What they're saying is a little bit is, is, is forgiven. However, if it goes into your food or drink, we're not going to forgive it, even a tiny bit. Okay? Sheikh Uthameen straight away says there's no evidence for that. If we're forgiving a little bit, then we've got to forgive it also in food and drink as well. Okay? Because, and this is an important point, he goes, when it comes to forgiving, we're forgiving because it is insignificant. So if it's insignificant, it doesn't matter what it applies to. And he goes that, 
the moment that that blood, and for that matter, anything, okay, becomes so much that it starts to affect the characteristic of what is in, and you remember from years one and two and three that when we talk about characteristics changing, we are talking about its smell, color, taste, okay? Smell, color, or taste. If any one of these three start to change, then we now realize that the amount that was in, is involved is significant, okay? And therefore, it becomes nejis as well, all right? Until then, though, we are happy that if a little bit of blood falls into any kind of physical item, or food, or drink, or whatever, then that is something which is okay. Now, um, I want to say that there are, uh, when it comes to blood, that there are three types of blood, okay? Just quickly, quick look at blood. There are three types of uh, blood. The first type of uh, blood is impure, which can never be overlooked, even a, even a tiny amount. And this is the blood which comes out of the front or back passage. Okay, this is the blood which comes out of the front or back passage, and also. Uh, the blood of those things which is impermissible to eat such as a mouse or such as a donkey so the blood of something which is impermissible to eat so that dump, that, that blood is completely impermissible in tiny amounts and a third kind of uh, uh, this is all the first category the first type of blood and a third example of this would also would be uh, carrion the, the, the blood from dead meat. So if you come across a dead animal. Remember carrion is a dead animal. Meta is a dead animal. It's called carrion. Yeah? So if you come across a dead animal and the blood in there, even a tiny amount of that is unacceptable. Okay? Um, uh, the, the, uh, sorry, I need to, need to make it clear that that dead animal that you find, it does need to be an animal that cannot be eaten by slaughtering it. So for example, so let me just make this clear. If you came across a dead cow, the blood is not uh, nudges. Okay? Because that a cow is something that can be slaughtered. But if you came across a lion, for example, which cannot be slaughtered to be killed, okay, to be eaten, okay, then its blood is also impure. So uh, the only that de- only the dead carrion, only the blood of dead carrion which can be halal, yeah, that is the that is that is that is uh uh, that is pure, whereas any other animal, then that's not. That's the first type of blood. The second type of blood is a, is a blood which is nejes. So the first type was what? Nejes which? Never. Never be overlooked. The second type is nejes. Little bit can be overlooked. Yeah? So the second type is the nejes with the little bit of blood can be overlooked. This is human blood. Okay. And also the the blood of the shaheed when it's upon him, the blood of the martyr when it is on him, when it is on him, and the blood of um, uh, misk. Now misk, okay, you will remember. Um, comes from the what of the antelope? The misk pod. Misk pod, yeah. yeah. What, what part of the body is it? The what? Stomach. Something. Uh, no, it's not in the mouth. I don't think it's in the mouth. It's in the stomach somewhere. Yeah, it's in the stomach somewhere. Okay. And it contains that pure uh, musk or misk. Okay. Um, that blood is something which is a little bit of it can be uh, used. And also, uh, anything which is left from those animals... Which um, you halal basically al mudakka al mudakka meaning those which are sac- uh, slaughtered. So an animal you slaughter like a goat or a sheep or a camel or a cow or whatever, and the blood which is left. So that's najis, yeah. But a little bit on your body, no problem. And the third type is that which is pure, pure tahir, okay, clean, pure. And that there, there, there's different types of that. So uh, like an a uh, would be a. <coughs> would be the dumb of uh, uh, fish. 
Okay, fish blood. Okay, the second would be um, the blood of. Um, uh, so I was going to explain this later, but I'll explain it now. The blood of animals which has an open circulatory system. Okay. Now, what does that mean? Basically, we're talking about insects. We're talking about insects, okay? Basically, insects. But I do want you to write down that open circulatory system. In the books of fiqh, you will always see this as described as the animal which does not have flowing blood. Okay? It always is called an animal. It does not have flowing blood. But people get confused what that means. So let me explain what it means. You have animals of two types. Okay? We are of the second type. Open circulatory system, closed circulatory system. A closed circulatory system is like us. We have vessels, veins, arteries, capillaries, and the blood flows through that in principle, and then it diffuses out, and it, you know, whatever. But there's a distinct <coughs> difference between interstitial kind of uh, 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 substance and uh, fluid on, around the tissues and whatever, and blood which is contained within its own vessels. Is that clear? That's a closed circulatory system. These animals are, of course... The second type, majority of these are haram, yani, and they're just whatever, humans or whatever. I mean, but that, that's why we're not talking about that. When I talk about the first category, small, tiny category of animals, well, they're not tiny because there's billions of them, okay? Um, but insects. Now, insects, they don't have a circulatory system. Blood is everywhere. So, you know, the tissues and the organs, they are bathed in blood. Does that make sense? So, if you were to, like, to open them, open it, it's blood everywhere. Does that make sense? Okay. So there's no flowing blood. This blood is pure. This blood is pure. So the blood of an insect. So classic example, you've got a fly on you and you, you know, you smack it and there's blood everywhere. You don't need to wash that off. Okay? You don't need to wash that off. And um, I mean, and the evidence is for that just so that, you know, whilst we're here, you know, uh, uh, the Prophet ﷺ said that if a fly falls into your liquid, whatever, then pick it up and the other half put it in. Now, the idea, of course, is that this liquid is hot. And so putting it back in again is increasing the najasa of the drink because it's going to melt more, dissolve more, destroy itself more. And the Prophet would only ever say that if it was pure. If it was najasa, he would never say it. Can I just clarify, yeah. you said the impure blood that can never be overlooked, carrion blood, if the animal was... Not... Pure, uh, not allowed to be eaten when alive. Yes. But if it was, if it was carrying on an animal that could be eaten when alive. Yes. The blood is overlooked if it's a small amount. Yes. Yes. So yes. Amount. Yes. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, the next one. You know, just so, just so I'm very, very clear. Yeah. The third type is, I think I, I, think I might have said that wrong. Um, the last one in the second category. Yeah, I think, I think you wrote that down. I, I, I said it wrong. Um, you know, I said, said to you that the blood which is in the animal of uh, when you slaughter it, like a cow and a sheep, whatever. I said it's najis, which is thingy, yes? Overlooked Yeah, this. yeah, this is, I, I, is wrong. Uh, uh, I, I put it in the wrong category. It's actually pure, okay? The blood from an animal which has been slaughtered, halal. So halal animal, which has been slaughtered in a halal way, the blood which comes out of the animal is pure. It is pure, pure, okay? Apologies for that. I just you said that cow's blood is not najis. You said that in the first part. Oh, okay, good, good, good. I, I, I'm just, yeah, there's so many lines here that I'm getting my, my head all mixed up. Okay. Um, okay, and I said that uh, the, the dumb of the shaheed upon his body. Um, and uh, the, the, the question is, is that what if the, the dumb of the shaheed, the, the, the dumb, the blood of the shaheed <coughs> is separate from the body? What if it's on his sword? What do you think? The scholars again differed over it, but basically they said that uh, the majority of the scholars said that it becomes najis. It's only pure when it's upon the body of the shaheed. Okay? It's only pure 
when it is on the body of the shaheed. As for the minority position, okay, that um, that blood um, of humans is always pure. All right, that's the second position, and so therefore this would also be pure as well. Um, this is the class position, and it's the position Sheikh Uthaymeen, and it has a number of good evidences for it. Okay, number one, the um, so we're talking about the blood, human blood. Okay, so I'm talking. You've just cut yourself. You've got blood all over the place. All right, is this blood impure? Is the blood which yani, a dead person is all over the place, is that impure? Is the blood of shaheed, whether on the body, off the body, impure? Majority say it is impure. The majority position on human blood is that it is impure. The correct position Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best, and certainly the class position, certainly Shaykh Uthameen's position, certainly Shaykh Ihlan's position, and a number of the contemporaries, and even Taymiyyah as well, is that blood itself is intrinsically pure. Reasons. Number one, there is no evidence clear to suggest that human blood is impure. Therefore, it remains upon its original premise. The original premise of things is that they are pure. pure. The original premise, al-aslu fil ashya al-tahara. Okay, al-aslu fil ashya. The basic premise of things is that they are pure until a dalil proves that they are. Uh, uh, thinking. And we have not a single evidence to show that the Prophet ﷺ ordered for any blood to be washed away, except. For menstrual blood okay except for menstrual blood and this is in the light of the fact that there was so much bleeding happening at the time of the prophet yes huge amounts of bleeding that was going and when i'm saying bleeding i don't mean just fighting cauterizing hijama this that whatever day and night all this stuff was happening Blood was very, very common. We don't have any evidence. And the Prophet ﷺ, if it was najis, he would make that very, very clear. And the second evidence is that the Muslims have always had and always will, always did and always are and always will continue to pray when they have been fought and when they are bleeding, when they are in battle. And uh, all, all of the yani, hadith and all the ayat which suggest that cannot yani, see people going around washing, 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 washing. No, we don't have that at all. We don't have that at all. And Allah knows best. Another evidence, uh, number three, is that we know for a fact that the part, human parts are pure. So for example, if a hand is severed from the body, the, 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 the hand is pure. No one has ever said that the hand is impure. If the hand is pure, then that which is around it is pure as well, which is the blood which is on its edges. Number four, the blood, and the blood, the um, human beings, when they die, they remain pure. Fishes, fish, <laughs> fish, when they die, they are also pure. Okay? And the reason for that, this is interesting, the reason why they say that fish are pure, fish blood is pure when they die, is because they say that fish blood when it's alive is pure. And so they said that the same reasoning can be given, that if the human is pure when he dies, then we'll use the same reason for the fish. If the fish are pure when they die, listen, I, I've jumped the point, but I'm hoping you can make that assumption yourself. What is a dead fish, technically? Carrion. Carrion. What is the ruling upon carrion? Impure. Impure. Haram to eat. The full works, yeah? Dead meat is haram. Do you agree? Dead meat is impermissible to eat. Do you agree? Okay, good. So if it is all haram and whatever, whatnot, fish should also be. Do you agree? But fish is an exception. Alright? Fish, are, when they're dead, they are halal. Yes? And so when they try to explain how is it that it is not under the rules of carrion, they said, ah, because the blood of fish is pure. And so when it dies, it remains pure as an animal. So they said, right, well, hold on. Humans are pure when they die, which would suggest that their blood is also pure when they're alive. <coughs> Make sense? So human blood, when it comes out, is pure other than menstrual blood. Um, and... No, of course not. No, no. Hayd and Nifas and all this are exceptions. Exceptions. And some scholars, they said, well, there's the evidence. Look, Hayd and thingy, the Prophet said, wipe it away. We said that the Prophet specifically said that and only that and nothing else. Yeah. 
That's an exception because it is coming out with filth. The understanding is that it's not going to come out without having touched feces or without touching urine. So that's like a like a associated uh, ruling. Okay, so yeah, I think that's uh, that's good. Now they said, and also the text. I mean, that was a lot of conversation that we just had talking about uh, blood. But the real yeah. What did the other scholars use? No, no, we don't. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> we have maybe ten minutes to do little thingy. I think we'll have another bit of time on this, but anyway. Um, now, pure animal, okay? A small amount of impure blood that comes from a pure animal will be uh, overlooked, okay? Pure animal. So, the Muhammad Madhab makes it very clear. There are two types of animal, a pure animal and a impure animal. So, a pure animal is different types. The first type, is every animal which is permissible to eat. So, cattle, horses, lizards, rabbits, okay? These are all animals which are pure, to, which are halal to eat. Therefore, as of themselves, they're pure. When we say an animal is pure, what do we mean? It means you can touch it and you don't need to wash yourself, basically. Is that, is that clear, everybody? All right? And then the second type is what? Covered it already? Yeah, animals that do not have, you know, flowing blood, i.e. insects, okay? All of those are pure as well. So, for example, if you had a beetle and it fell onto your skin and, you know, you, you, <coughs> you know, stayed there or whatever, you don't become impure, if that makes sense, okay? Um, as for najas, animals which are najas, according to the madhab, then... Um, every animal which is impermissible to eat Every animal which is impermissible to eat is najas This is a Hanbali madhab Every animal which is haram to eat is itself najas That's like hardcore that by the way You know so if you go and you know, play with some lions for example or tigers Yeah I say that because your man here has done that Yeah <coughs> Yeah <laughs> Right Then that's najas Basically, all right, your hands and everything is nudges. There is an exception to that. What's the exception? The cat, the cat okay, because the cat is not allowed to eat, okay, and it has been accepted from, and that's because of the famous hadith, all right. The Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith, is, this is known as the hadith of Abu Qatada, okay. In the hadith of Abu Qatada, radiallahu anhu, anhu qudima ilayhi ma'un, yatawadda bihi fa'ida bihirratin fa'asgha laha al-ina, hatta sharabat maqal in the Prophet ﷺ qal fi al-hirra. Basically, he wanted to make wudu, the uh, water had been bought, and the cat had drunk from it. And, you know, it's like, oh, we can't use this. And, the, and, and, and he, Abu Khtada said that the Prophet ﷺ said that it is not impure. It is from the tawafin and tawafat of your house. This water, this remnant that you are using comes from the remnants of a creature which makes tawaf of your home. Yeah, and it's, it's your pet. It's your home pet. Yeah? I'm talking about the cat. Okay? Um, and this is... Uh, okay? Now, Sheikh Uthameen, he makes a point here. He goes that, is it the cat that the illa is about, that should be made pure? Or is it the tawafin, al-mutatawif yani? Is it the fact that they make tawaf which should be the, the issue that should determine that makes it pure? What makes sense here? The second part. Because obviously, therefore then the ruling has been given because of? Because of difficulty. If we were to make yani, the cat najis, yes, and it is an animal which is purely, it's a classical pet, plays around, messes around, loves it, nice, <coughs> blah, 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 you know, and we were to make that haram, then, then you know, it's a disaster, it's, making, it's, it's really difficult, right? So then, if that's the reason why we allowed it, and it's very interesting, because the Prophet ﷺ said, because it is from at-tawaf, you know when he gives you the illa, then you've got some space to work with. 
So we say, right, well, let's find some other animals then, which also come from at tawafin at tawafat. So let's have it. What do you think? Would, would dogs be uh, Okay, dogs. What do you think? Especially in the UK. Especially in the UK. Why not? Correct. Okay. There's no possibility of using a general hadith when we have a specific nas. So yes, the dog is from Tawafin, there's no doubt about it. Maybe even better than the, the cat itself. And that's why, okay, uh, uh, well, uh, according to the Hanbalis, okay, they make an exception for the dog because of the nas. We will say, okay, we will say the majority, not the majority, the, the class position, is that yani, the dog is included in this. Okay, it covers the dog because it is uh, pure the body, its its saliva is a problem. Obviously, we're not saying keeping a dog as pets because that's that's something else, okay? And that's something which should be avoided unless there's a need for security or because you need it for hunting or something or staying outside or whatever. Then that's fine, okay? But, yeah. But what other animals? Mouse? Huh? A mouse? <laughs> <laughs> a mouse is a pet. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. People in Brom are, are weird, man. <laughs> I always heard that Brom is kept mice as pets, you know? Because <laughs> they couldn't be able they couldn't both pay for hamsters. <laughs> think, 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 don't think of you in your, in your city flat, okay? Think of the world, please, okay? <laughs> yeah, I said to him, listen, just watch this, yeah? Just watch. I said to him, don't think of your city apartment, mm-hmm. think of the rest of the world. The guy goes a rabbit. <laughs> The only people in the world that keep rabbits yeah, are those people who live in city apartments. Little denku, yani, whatever, and they stick a rabbit in there and they call it Percy, and that's it. Yeah? <laughs> Unbelievable. In the real world, yeah, the only thing that rabbits are used for is food. Huh? So we're talking about donkeys, we're talking about horses, we're talking about cows, okay? Uh, uh, um, so all of these animals are pure. Now you might say, well, hold on. Um, uh, cows and things are already allowed okay so that's fine but the really controversial one that we're going to put in is the donkey and is the mule okay remember that we have different types of uh, we might as well just mention this now okay we might as well mention this now and it's good actually I think that we spend another one other session on this because we'll cover the issue the important one which is the issue of uh, vaginal discharge in the next one let's finish off with animals alright if you look at animals, then there's different types of, um, I'm talking riding beasts, you have a horse, yes? So let's take out cattle and camel and all this because it's all very clear. Let me just start with the horse. The horse is something which is permissible to eat according to the correct position. So that's fine, okay? And the horse is definitely pure. We know all that about it. The big discussion about uh, animals, or, and we'll come to the evidences later, is about domesticated uh, donkeys, all right? Which is the normal donkey that you see, okay? And a mule. And a mule is basically the the, the, the the child of a horse and a donkey. All right? Now, there is another type of donkey, technically, and that's called the wild donkey. And it's that's like a, an onager. Okay? O-N-A-G-E-R. And they're like a zebra, basically. Yeah, and a wild. Now, those are permissible to eat. The Prophet has said by nos that those are permissible to eat. But the donkey themselves, the normal donkey, is haram to eat. Now, the Hanbalis, they have that basic principle. Anything which is haram to eat is najis. Okay, najis. And so for them, the meal, as you see right at the end, okay, what are the, the following are impure? Domesticate donkeys and mules. All right? But what did we just say? We said that the illa is at tawaf and things and mashaqqa and difficulty and so if these things are you're utilizing every single day you know you're riding on them working with them milking them all that kind of stuff whatever then we can't have them being impure and so therefore this is the, the position is that they are pure and i want to just say to you now a little bit kind of a cheat i think i mentioned it earlier on that in my opinion and this is the opinion of sheikh uthaymin in his later years and it's the position of ibn Taymiyyah as well every single animal is pure Every single animal is pure, other than the, the, the spit of the dog and the entirety of the pig. Okay? Every single animal is pure, other than the spit of the dog and the entirety of the pig. Alright? Um, okay, good. So we can now just quickly cover a few things. 
The other thing which is being le- uh, the other thing which is being uh, uh, overlooked, the final thing which is being overlooked, is that which is left after istijmar. Now, obviously, LP students are very very clued up on the concept of istinja and istijmar. Okay, istinja is the uh, stanja. Yeah, stanja is you know when you clean your your private parts with water. Yeah, normal, standard, rota, three times, all the rest of it. Yeah, istinj istijmar. Istijmar is when you clean those same private parts but using classically clods of earth, yeah, or stones, yes, dry substances. And we, of course, uh, uh, extend that to cover tissue paper and wipes and whatever, whatnot, okay? So, so that that's called istijmar, but classically, you're using stone. Now, imagine, of course, back in the day, all right, if that's happening, I remember we had this discussion, and I don't want to go over it, and believe me, we discussed this issue to death, all right? And so, if you like that kind of thing, I have got to say, I do, all right? Then go back and watch the videos, they're very interesting, okay? And you'll learn a lot. But I just want to say to you that there was always this, this discussion, what's better between Istinja and Istijmar, okay? Because remember back then, soap isn't so readily available, hot water isn't readily available, you've only got very little time. And so if you're cleaning yourself with your finger, okay, with water, there's no doubt that there's going to be nejas that's going to go into your finger, correct? And the idea would be that you just wash it off with water and that's the end of it. However, you know that in our time, for not just to be on your finger, even if you wash it a thousand times with water, we're going to want to apply soap and God knows what. Agreed? Okay? Just a mental kind of thing. And so there was a strong position amongst some of the companions and tabi'in, whatever, that istijmar is actually better than istinja. Why? Because you're not physically touching the dirt. Yes? You're using something else. Would you agree? You're using a stone. You're using a barrier. All right? In actual fact, as we proved, as we proved in this lesson, mashallah, istijmar was actually the original thing that was legislated by the Prophet ﷺ. Istinja was later. Istinja is like a later thing. The asal actually in cleaning yourself is istijmar. All right. Now, you can imagine uh, that if you are using something which is hard or harder, whatever, to clean yourself, the massive advantage of you not getting your fingers dirty is obvious. Yet, there's no way that it's going to clean the area as good as it would if you're using water. So there's a payoff. Would you agree? And so the scholars had to deal with this. They had to deal with this. They said, well, how are we going to deal with the issue that if we're going to use this, there's going to be traces left. You're not going to have cleaned the area completely. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah? There's going to be traces of feces and uh, urine because just by the nature of you not using water. And so the Hanbalis responded to that and they said that those tiny small traces would be overlooked because um, they're definitely there and the Prophet ﷺ didn't obligate to wash afterwards if you do wash afterwards it's good but he didn't obligate it <coughs> and those traces are definitely there we all know any solid substance which is used instead of water there's always something left and therefore it must be that small amounts must be overlooked it must be it can't be any other option and so therefore it was um, uh, thingy. Now, um, they uh, as a, as a, as, a, as an extension as an extension of this fact, and this is interesting. They said that um, that There was something which I read which was really interesting and really funny as well. Yes. Okay. What did it say? What's the condition of the of the of the overlooking? <coughs> Small amount. And did I did I did I bring that across in a translation or was I asleep? Yeah. The private parts is that. Okay? <coughs> The private parts. Now, if you've got diarrhea, you know that that is not being restricted to the private parts. Sah? No one feel embarrassed, okay? I'm the one who's getting the best of them, not you, alright? Sheikh says, And it can be seen that from the statement, in its place only, meaning the private parts, that if it was to... Exceed normal, exceed normal spreading. The normal spreading, huh? 
فَلَوْ تَجَاوَزَ مَحَلَّهُ لَمْ يُعْفَعَنْ If it was to exceed its normal spreading place, for example, Allahu Akbar Allah. Just, just turn off the uh, thingy for a second. No, 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 the thing there. Inside, just turn to zero. Allahu Akbar Allah. Akbar. Oh my goodness me, bro. There's a difference between zero and ten, right? Is that right? Blew my wire, Everything, bro. You just killed everyone, by the way. I had to turn it off because the next statement is disrespectful to say between the Adhan, okay? He says that, for example, if he sweats and the sweat then takes the traces off from the private parts and it goes onto his, <laughs> his bum cheeks. <laughs> I love that phrase. It's very graphic. Man. Oh, so what is that? What is that? Go on. Mr. Graphic, what's the other phrase for that? Safhate Dubar. They're not called gluteals. Gluteus Maximus. What's the two gluteus Maximuses? He goes, if it was to spread onto the cheeks of your bum, or backside, or onto the clothes, or onto the pants, then it is not uh, overlooked. That is not acceptable. Okay, that's according to the Hanbali method. Okay, is that clear, everybody? Okay. He goes that bait, and Sheikh Uthman says, but actually, if you think about what he's saying, he's then basically saying that istijmar does not purify an area, and that what is left behind is actually najis. But. But Sheikh Uthameen says the istijmar does purify an area. It does purify an area. This is a bit strange, this statement, okay? He goes, it does purify an area. And so whatever has happened as a result of uh, what's left, it has become pure. Yeah, and what he's trying to say is that... The, it's interesting. Look, look at his istidlal here, okay? This is obviously what this class is about, trying to understand the methodology of scholars. He said... The evidence for this is the statement of the Prophet ﷺ with respect to dung and bones. Now, remember dung, I said to you, is an awesome material, okay? When you heat it and you make those things out of it, it is amazing to use, okay? I mean, to, 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 if anyone's ever done istijmar with a clod of earth like you're meant to, okay, you'll know that to use dung is like the perfect substance. It's soft, it's solid, soft enough, etc., etc. Yet the Prophet ﷺ prohibited the use of dung. He also prohibited the use of bones. And when he prohibited them both, what did he say? He said, La yutahiran. They do not purify. Now, let me ask you a question. Do they purify a place? Technically. Technically, of course they do. If you had a bone and you kept rubbing a place, could you purify a place? Yes, you could. So therefore, it would suggest that the purification here is not talking about a physical one, but it, it does not lift the kind of the hadith, kind of the actual spiritual meaning of the impurity. And that's why you can't use the dung and you can't use the bone. That's not, the, not, not for the thing either, not for the dung, is it? Yeah, for the bones, yes. But not for the dung, yeah? So... Is this another example of what we mentioned before in the beginning about the alcohol where it may purify it? Something similar to that, okay? So basically, what Sheikh Uthameen says, and this is a, is a, bit, of a, a bit of a leap, but it's, a, it's an interesting one. He says, so therefore, if those two don't, and we know that he said istijmar does, then istijmar not only purifies the area, but it purifies everything which is there. It deals with everything. And so therefore, any traces which are left and wherever they go... If they are so small, remember we said tiny, we can't be a big, you know, clunks or whatever, right? If it's so small and insignificant, you're fine. It is forgiven. It is overseen. Is that, is that okay, yeah? Is that okay? And, um, and just to finish off then, final statement. Uh... Just to finish off, 
ونصح كيما فهذا اثنان من يؤفى ان وذلك ان لا يفع يصير شيء من سوى يصير في كذلك البول والروض I just want to say that we've only mentioned two things here, right? We mentioned blood and we mentioned traces of what's left after istijmar. Yes? Okay. What about um, other things? What about basically all najasat? Anything impure? Such as urine, human urine, such as dog urine, such as anything. Because they're very, very specific, isn't it? Only blood from a pure animal, only traces after Isijmar, yes? There are a number of positions, but the only one I'm interested in now to close with is that the third position, there are three positions on this, okay? That, that uh, okay, there are three positions on this issue. Number one is that nothing is overlooked. If it's najis, it's najis. If it's najis, it's najis, nothing is overlooked, even a tiny amount. The second position is the one we have here. That only these two things are overlooked. Yes? And the third position is that every single najasa is overlooked. If it is a tiny amount, insignificant amount. And the position of the last one is a position of Abu Hanifa. And it's a position of Ibn Taymiyyah. And they basically said that it has to be all of them. Because the reasoning is mashaqqa. The reasoning for the overlooking is difficulty. And so if it's difficulty, then difficulty should be applied across the board to all of the problems that we have. And so therefore, according to them, um, you know, we've got like, you know, mouse and we've got dung and we've got everything all around the house and so on and so forth. And Sheikh Uthameen, he goes, what then the correct position is that what Abu Hanifa said and Sheikh Al-Islam. So we have to say that actually all types of these... Um, uh, show that uh, it is permissible. When you see the Ladiya of Anhari, Mashaka Hadmin, who you see Celeste Liboli, Manoptilia, what the so many different things, so many different things. For And it applies across the board, even like in the example of incontinence and so on and so forth. Okay? So that's a place to end with there. Yeah? Um, what about sometimes traces of blood found in eggs, like egg yolk, because that's like actual eating? Uh, and uh, what's in there? The blood and of the. the blood, blood, like, uh, I don't know what's going to be. The red traces are usually found in eggs and yolks. So isn't that considered to be some kind of a blood? No. That's part of the actual egg itself and something which is permissible. <coughs> okay. okay. And just to close this particular part, the uh, 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 Ibn Ad, um, uh, humans, human beings, and that's important, not just the, the, the thingy, uh, are pure when they die. So touching a dead body does not require ghusl. Okay. Touching a dead body, and this is the case as Sheikh Uthameen says. And you know, the, the famous hadith in this is that the mu'min la yanjus, yeah? The Prophet said that the mu'min is never impure. So people only think it's, the, it's something for the believer. But as Sheikh Uthameen says, this is man kanamin bani adamin mu'min wa kafirin wa dhakirin wa unta wa sagirin wa kabirin fa'innahu la yanjusu bil mawt abada. So this doesn't matter whether it's a Muslim, non Muslim, a boy or a girl, old or young. All dead bodies are pure. All dead bodies are pure. Okay, good. I think that we um, will probably only need half a session to cover the rest of the uh, thingy. Maybe even less than that, actually. So next session, inshallah, we'll start uh, menstruation. When do you want to come back, Shaz? Half two? No. What? 245. 2.45? No, no, no. It's pushing us Okay, 2.45. Okay, guys, 2.45 is when we return online, everybody. That's in exactly one hour and 16 minutes. Okay, in one hour and 16 minutes. Jazakumullahu khaira and if you have questions then put it down no problem inshallah. Jazakumullah khaira. Okay, assalamu alaikum.